0: people do truly don't understand uh, i think in, in my own opinion at least they kind of need to get out there and see where their food comes from like mm. um i think we've kind of just gotten so used to you go into a grocery store and there it is like
1: whatever this is the real food real people podcast water is so important to life and it's so important to growing food And that's what we talk about this week as we meet Eros Gonzalez, who is an irrigation expert as well as someone who grew up as a farm worker. So he shares that story and how he came to being involved in irrigation and what he knows about sustainability in the world of farming. You're gonna enjoy this conversation. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop here, uh, traveling all over the state and this time, right in my hometown, getting to know the real people behind the food that we produce here in Washington. (laughs) So you're involved in growing food, even though it's like indirect. Yeah. That's probably not the way most people think of your job, but that's really right. what it is, right? Right. Um, like, how would you describe it?
0: I think we're, what we do is a pretty important step in that. Um, I think farmers just naturally kind of have to know a lot of stuff already, like, you know, the agriculture side of it and the yep. agronomy side of it, um, but also financial, and then also how to run a business. Um kind of know a lot of things already and then you know people don't think about it but there's also some chemistry and stuff involved in what they do you know yeah. stuff doesn't just grow <laughs> on its own uh, the yeah. way that they get it to do it um, and then I think uh, where we come in is kind of on the technical side of how uh, how irrigation works and how best to get it to work and <clears throat> kind of um, the, the methods of, of irrigating
1: Water is a big deal. Yes, right. <laughs> like that's what they said years ago. That it was yeah. like, well, someday they're not going to fight wars over oil. Yeah, they're going to fight over water over yeah, water. It's, it's, and it's already like, starting. Yeah. yeah, we're getting there it's now. here. Yeah,
0: um, which is kind of scary to think of, right? Because um, even now, like if you go home, you don't. I mean, at least uh, I'll be honest. At least myself, I don't think much of when I turn my tap on. Totally. I just get a glass of water, and uh, whatever I don't finish, I might just dump right back into the sink. (laughs) People don't think about that stuff, right? But um, every little bit kind of counts. Um, And then there's always going to be something or um, some entity, some group, or someone who will want to have control over that um, or at least enforce certain rules. Um, And I think um, we could do better in the way we use water. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also a common misconception that we are – uh, using water inefficiently when really there's t- t- so far i don't know if there's better way than what we're already kind of doing mm. um and if there is um a better way then sometimes it, it just comes down to dollars
1: yeah being able to afford yeah, exactly the technology exactly. to yeah mm-hmm. so yeah you you it takes water to grow food people got to eat
0: yes um it's, right. uh, it's a pretty big part of um, <laughs> the farming industry, you know. You, <laughs> yeah, you can't grow much without water, and you know, um, even the stuff that you, you can grow that uh, doesn't require a lot of it still requires some, you know. But there's certain things out there like wheat and soy and stuff that, yeah, if it rains, it rains, It, it, it whatever, you know, they kind of don't need water. Um, but that's very, very few things, unless people want to eat wheat for. <laughs> three meals out of the day um you know yeah but there's there's not a lot of things out there that you can grow uh without needing a, a good amount of water um so yeah it's a pretty big part
1: of um what they need and if you need water to grow food it's such an important piece the question is then and and you've already been alluding to this is being careful with water being efficient with water not wasting it as we're seeing it more and more as a precious resource right. You're saying farmers are doing that or see it that way. You talk with hundreds of farmers in your job. How do they see that? How do they approach water?
0: Most of them are already doing that. Um, They're already trying to use as little amount of water as possible. Hmm. Um, I would venture to say that if some of them could use no water, they probably would. Hmm. Um, uh, first First off, if you look at it from a financial side, yeah. Even just the pump that you drop in that well—that's a—that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um. You know, some of these pumps are, eight thousand, ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um. But they've found ways to make them more efficient to make them last longer. Um. And most of these guys, you know, it's either the financial side, like I said, or um, just kind of the out of necessity that hey, my well will only give me so much water. Right. So if my well doesn't, if I don't use my water efficiently, then my crop is not going to grow. So they kind of already know and they kind of understand that. Um. Whatever water they have available now, eh, that might be all you get until the fall uh, or until the rain comes back and, you know, the snow melts and fills back up. Um, Which is
1: what we're blessed with here in western Washington. Right, and
0: in some areas it's not that way. You get droughts and things like that. Um, Some parts of eastern Washington are that way. Um, Certainly the further you go south, it's kind of the way it is, like uh, in California and things like that. Um, But, yeah, they they already understand that um, they can't just – use water um, like as they please. They try and use as little as they can um, in different ways. And, you know, most of them um, will monitor in some way, uh, usually with something like a flow meter, Mm -hmm. uh, how much water they're actually using. Um, And every year it seems to be the same thing. How can I get it to be a little bit less? So, yeah, it's not like they're, this is like, they don't like, they don't understand or they don't already know. They're already trying to do that. Yeah. Um, and they're doing pretty
1: good at it already and you guys you know, when I think of <clears throat> water tech where you work here yeah I mean that's you guys are all about super efficient water system primarily right. I, like I think about drip irrigation yes. yeah, which exactly. has been like such a great it was a huge advance yeah, for exactly. in the last what it's been big for 30 years right. at least
0: around here yeah it's uh um, I think it started around in the 80s or so um, and then it kind of really took off in the early 2000s. And you know how, how you see now, we use it for, for a lot of things. Um, in one way or another, it's used. There's yeah. still a few crops that um, require overhead irrigation of some sort. But even those are kind of shifting towards more, how do I use less water or, yeah. or get more accurate with my water? And that's kind of yeah. where Drip came in. Um, you were able to pretty much set it right on top of the root structure of the plant. Right. Um, and then monitor or, or irrigate at a very precise flow that you could calculate um, just by, you know, knowing the diameter of what that hole was that was punched in the poly. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty. It's a very cool system. Um, yeah, I guess I, I
1: kind of take that for granted because my dad started, I mean, he started right. growing raspberries in 1986. The first few years yep. he did overhead, and then it was the early 90s when he switched yep. to T-tape. And and he was one of the first ones. He's like, no, I got to do this. This is gonna. This is the way of the future. We got to do it. But I take for granted how that works. So explain that. It's basically. I guess there's a f- a few different ways to there's do a few different irrigation, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, um, your the two most common I think, or would be like a molded emitter, like a laser cut emitter. Um, so they're just two different sort of um kinds of um, emitter that they use, and the emitter is essentially what. Um, allows the water through at uh, X rate. So
1: um, So it's a plastic tube, and the question is what kind of a hole is going to let the water out? Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's a plastic tube, and um, this emitter is actually molded into the tube itself, um, and that emitter has something that we call a flow path, um, Mm -hmm. which helps with um, filtration. Uh, It kind of filters out any just really tiny particles, Um, but it also controls how much water it allows through, which in turn controls how much water you drip. Um, so we kind of put all that technology together and then, uh, say, you know, for, um, if you have X amount of plants or X amount of acres, you need this much amount. And, um, that, uh, that total footage of tape or clipper line will put out, um, this amount of gallons per minute. And then, you know, just size this pump to that and everything all just kind of comes together after that.
1: So that's what you do is design these systems basically. Right.
0: <coughs> yeah. Kind of, um, you know, every, from everything like, uh, a lot of these systems are already in place, and then uh, for those systems, sometimes we just um, try and find more efficient ways or, or ways to make them more efficient, kind of yep. upgrade them. Um, so you see that now, especially with, like, VFD systems, um, for, which is a variable frequency drive. Um, a lot of people are switching over to that because it just allows you to increase the lifespan of your pump, which, like I said, are not very cheap. Um, but for the, for the irrigation part, yeah, like um, if people are using, um, you know, non-pressure compensated tape, or, or, or clipper line, um, if, if, if it's viable, we try and get them to switch over to a pressure compensated because then it's uh, very easy to control or, or know um, at what rate we're going to water um,
1: with much less loss of water. Uh, so again, all of this technology and so the much. designing and yeah. planning and pumps and all these yeah. things are all, and dollars to do all yeah, of this, yeah, it's, a it's all <laughs>
0: just to reduce water use. Correct. Surely. Correct. I mean, even certain things like uh, plastic mulch, you know, like people kind of, people may have seen that or not, just this, um, sometimes it's, more more often than not, it's a black film over the beds. Um, that's actually to keep in most of that moisture. So,
1: on like berry crops Correct. is a lot of what we're talking right. here, right?
0: Yeah, uh, berry crops, and then also things like pumpkins and some greens and vegetables. Yep. Um, but that's, to, that's meant to keep a lot of that moisture in. Yeah. Um, Well, depending on the color, sometimes some of it is meant to reflect heat and others meant to absorb it. Um, But it also aids with, you know, um, not allowing weeds because... Weeds also take a lot of the water that you're putting down. There. Yeah, you don't want to be yeah. giving yes. water to exactly, weeds. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which, I, in some sense, is a waste of water. Yeah. Weed you know? control is exactly.
1: water efficiency.
0: Exactly. I never no. thought of it that way. Yeah. So not allowing those to uh, get any sunlight or uh, um, very little water uh, is one way of doing it. And um, you know, the the big thing from from drip to kind of what we had in the in the past is uh, overhead irrigation. You know, like a brass impact sprinkler. Um, it doesn't, it, or it doesn't discriminate uh, with what it's getting wet, whether it's right. weed, dirt, soaks like everything the down. side of a road. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It just it it goes in circles until you know the cows come home. It, doesn't, <laughs> it does not matter. Um, whereas drip, now I can control within you know eight eight inches or so uh, where my water is going to go, and usually that's going to go towards the root structure of the plant. Um, so that's kind of the cool thing about tape is now you've you've kind of eliminated a lot of this extra usage of water, so um, and kind of reduced it down to an eight-inch diameter circle or so to kind of control where you're
1: putting your water. You Not know, watering something you don't exactly, need
0: to exactly, exactly. At least you're getting it a lot closer than uh, what a brass impact could do.
1: Yeah, and all of this is for well, how many different food crops would you say you're helping design? Yeah. Um, irrigation and and selling irrigation technology for. I mean, red raspberries, I know for sure, because that's what I grew up in. That's why my dad comes shopping here.
0: Um, Blueberries. Yeah, the blueberries, uh, strawberries too. Um, You know, all the berries really that we grow here, especially what we grow locally. Um, A lot of that stuff, some veggies and things like that. Um, But you also see it a lot in like um, the almonds, like the nut industry. Almonds, hazelnuts, uh, peanuts, things like that. Um, but even other things like uh, they've in certain areas they've started to switch over to drip for um, things like orchards and vineyards and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of, um, most of that stuff can be ordered custom size anyway. So um, other than a, a few handful of things that we still have to figure out, uh, or certain crops that we still kind of have to figure out if we can make it work. Um, the, upper, the possibilities are kind of endless, I would yeah. say. I was going to um,
1: say, like, what crops are out there that are still, they're still trying to figure out, like, a grass field?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, grass seed is, you kind of need overhead watering because you're, you, um, I would, I don't know too much about grass seed, but I know that you kind of are trying to not be discriminate, just get everything wet because right. it's all got to grow. Um, right. Oh, and even so. if
1: you could get it all wet, you get up to a point where that would get so expensive and there'd yeah. be so much plastic. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, um, we've, tried it in potatoes before it's i think still got a, maybe a little bit of ways to go i know it i know it works yeah um but if anybody knows uh, or if they know how potatoes are harvested um the, the whole patch of ground kind of gets ripped up out of the ground yeah um so then the plastic might be run through the harvester and, mm. um, some people don't really like it um and some people are just kind of like whatever it's going to yeah. get ripped up anyway um, right. so it, it it's been proven to work for potatoes. Um, yeah, I know
1: like EB Farms here yeah. locally has done a bit with it. They've done a few
0: test plots with it, yeah, and it's, uh, it's worked pretty good for them. Um, but uh, sometimes it just comes down to, um, you know, can you increase the, the yield per acre? um with drip tape and if you can maybe it's worth the extra extra work um so oh, i know for
1: them too it was a way to get enough water to grow a crop right so that's still yeah. in a field where maybe they didn't have access to like yeah. they had a really weak well and yeah. so they literally that was have the only way to get it to use every drop yep. that they could to those plants and not right. anywhere else right so that's another cool thing about drip right like, yeah. like i guess that is it allows you to control
0: a lot better where you're putting that water uh, without wasting it in other places so, yeah, it, they I know that they did a few test plots and um that definitely helped in that situation where the well itself wasn't going wasn't going to be able to handle the whole season on its own. Right. So,
1: yeah. There's a lot too. Uh, this is just the water part. You know, normally yeah. when I think we think of, you know, seeds and and growing f- Yeah. food, you know, the tillage and fertilizer, water, kind of everything's got to have water. Right. I mean, some things can get away without even Yeah. a fertilizer of a certain kind. Kink really like you said earlier Yeah, you can't really do that um
0: yeah i mean i know people i know people say it all the time and and i think it's kind of lost its sort of meaning but like um people do truly don't understand uh i think in in my own opinion at least they kind of need to get out there and see where their food comes from like Mm. um i think we've kind of just gotten so used to you go into a grocery store and there it is like whatever you don't have to worry about how it was grown um and certain things and 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 more recently they've started doing certain things like you know well um organic or vegan diets and things like that where it's like well i'll only eat specific things that are grown a specific way right um and sometimes it's just kind of like i think just being able to have that food in general we take for granted all the work that goes into doing that um because like i said a farmer knows a farmer could probably do the job for people, yeah. an accountant and, and someone, <laughs> a CEO and a chemist and an agronomist. Like, they could do the job of multiple people, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's kind of sad that people don't truly know how much work uh, and effort goes into this. And, um, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, they start noticing a little bit more that this isn't... Um, a lot of these people aren't doing it for fun or because, uh, um, you know, this is the only option out there. And yeah, right. they're doing it because they love it. And this is what yeah. they like to do. This is not, a, it's not, farming is not an easy industry. And I'm not even a farmer myself. I mean, other than like a small garden we have at home.
1: Yeah. But even that for me is like, But think about how many tons of food you help other people grow. Right. And that's what's cool to me. It's like, okay, yeah, you aren't a farmer. Why are we having this guy who isn't a farmer on the podcast?
0: (laughs) But you're part of the food system. Right. Um, Yeah, we, you know, with with what I've learned and kind of what we do here, you, you get to see um, both sides of it a lot of sides of it um, and you you get to hear their struggles you kind of get to hear where they're coming from with certain things and yeah. it kind of makes you realize you know like these guys aren't uh, they're not always um, enjoying uh, yeah. what they're doing it's just um, they they love to do it though so yeah. they, they continue to do it uh, until they like, you know, until they can't or until
1: yeah passion for for growing food yeah. yeah it's something It's it's crazy okay well I'm gonna make you make some enemies here (laughs) Uh, i of all uh, you know i don't want to have you upset any of your customers but of all the things that you help grow with your irrigation equipment and design and all that what's your favorite
0: oh Mm. that's a hard if you want
1: to say like my drip system grew the best darn you know fill in the blank
0: Um, um i think i have to say potatoes Uh, Yeah, even though it doesn't really use drip, like, or, you know, not too much. Um, there's just something so cool about potatoes to me. Like, I,
1: <laughs> I know it's kind of weird, but it's like... I like it. Uh, well, because everyone thinks I'm going to say raspberries, right? Because right, I grew up right, on raspberries. Right. I'm like, no, I don't actually like them very much. I was just around them yeah. too much. They're, I know they're a wonderful thing, and they're many people's favorite fruit, yeah. but it's not my yeah, thing. Yeah, that's
0: kind of how I, you know, after I moved to Linton, that's kind of how I got it. I, I worked in, on the Harvesters a few times, oh. and uh, after eating a few pounds of berries, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, yep, good. Yep. I'm, I'm set for the next few years. But no, like, potatoes are just so cool to me. Okay, the, um, I'm sure there's a lot more um, science that goes behind it. Yeah. But it, the way I've seen it and the way I understand it is you can take a potato and you can eat the potato. Or you can take the potato and you can put it in the ground and now you have more potatoes. Yep. And then you can take one of those potatoes and put it in the ground again and you have more potatoes. It's literally like an infinite food glitch. Like it doesn't yeah. make any sense. So, it, and I, like I said, there's probably a lot more science to it. But it's just like... That's that's so cool to me. And you can and then, do a lot of stuff you, with potatoes. Yes, and you can do so much with them, right? Um, and, you know, honestly, potatoes are pretty good anyway. Um, yeah. But also, um, I like tractors. I don't know why. I just think they're freaking awesome. <laughs> so I get to see these guys with these huge tractors out there just tilling and pulling equipment and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but also the hose reels, I think, are awesome. Like, they're freakishly huge. Um, yeah. And they're, they're scary if, when you're up <laughs> close to one. But they're also really cool. Like, people... People see a hose reel driving down the street. Uh, and For those who don't know what a hose reel is, it's that big drum with the black tubing on it that has a water gun on the end of it. Um, And, and, you know, you see one driving and it's often in in the field and you're just like, oh, whatever. But, no, this thing is like six inches, four inches, five inches in diameter and it'll probably break your hand if you try and put your hand in front of that jet of water. Like this This is
1: huge. It's big. Yeah. So I just think, like, that's cool, too. It's always crazy to me how small the engine is that rolls the whole thing. (laughs) Gear reduction, you know, it's a 13-horsepower motor, and it can pull this monster sprinkler in because it's doing it it so um, slowly.
0: Yeah, some of it is actually, um, on some some it is an engine-driven unit that kind of pulls itself in that way. Um, but on, uh, some of them they are actually turbine driven, which in that case it's water itself that's doing it, which is even cooler. Yeah. Um, and then the engine is just, uh, aiding and boosting that water pressure up to allow it to reel itself even better. Yeah. But, uh, it's pretty cool.
1: I wanted to step away from the conversation just here for a second to thank our sponsors, Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting the Real Food, Real People podcast. Wadairy.org is their website where they share stories of the people and the practices and the quality that goes into the dairy food that is produced here in Washington, the milk, the ice cream, the cheese, the yogurt. And the list goes on and on. Again, wadairy.org is their website. I encourage you to check it out um, and thank them as well for supporting uh, what we're doing here on the podcast to share the real stories of the people, not just producing dairy uh, food here in Washington, but also all kinds of other food that we produce here. So Dairy Farmers of Washington, one of our sponsors. Also, Mana Insurance Group sponsoring the podcast. And a big thank you to them as well, manainsurancegroup.com. They insure my house and my cars and... I've worked with them for quite a while. I think from the very beginning when they got their start, they were founded by a high school classmate of mine. Great guy, great team, trustworthy folks. And now they have offices not only in Washington, but California and Arizona as well. Again, manainsurancegroup.com. And thank them as well for supporting the Real Food, Real People podcast now back to our continuing journey to get to know the real food, the real people behind our our food here in Washington, and our conversation with Eros Gonzalez, uh, who is an irrigation uh, expert at WaterTech uh, in Linden, as well as a farm worker growing up, and uh, we share a lot of more, more cool stories here uh, of our shared upbringing, he and I both working on farms as, as young people getting to know the ways of growing food. So you talked about when you moved to this area, when, when was that? And you know, we, I guess, full disclosure, we had, we talked with your mom and heard some of your family story on this podcast in season two. She was the first episode of season two, which technically is episode 49, I think of the podcast, but tell it from your perspective growing up, And and, because you grew up around farming from from probably your earliest memories. Yeah. So
0: grandpa, um, on mom's side had a farm back in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, We were born in the U.S. and then we moved to Mexico for a while. yep Um, Came back when we were pretty young still. Um, But from what I still remember, at least, you know, there was a farm there and they grew all sorts of little stuff. They had some cattle and some horses and some pigs and things like that. Um, So that kind of is where it started, like, you know a little bit of differences in, in the way that farming is done uh, obviously yep. um but still um who started there came here and then um yeah we our our version of daycare um <laughs> was coming to, with mom and dad during the summer to the fields yeah um and sometimes mine too out, by the way yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it was out of um you know like Necessity like, yeah, we can't really afford a daycare, so why don't we just go to the field and you guys can follow us around with a stick or something? Yeah, um, you know, so sometimes it was that, and then other times it was like, okay, you're old enough now, maybe you can start helping. So, yeah, um, that started when we were still pretty young. Um,
1: now, if I remember right, was that in eastern Washington? That was in eastern Washington, yeah, so
0: like uh, Yakima Valley area, Sunnyside, Washington, yeah, um, so that kind of started there and just in and around that area. Um, it's it's pretty agriculture heavy area but it's very seasonal yeah uh, once it gets cold it gets cold and that's it for the everything's year everything's done yeah it's not like linden we we kind of hold out for a little <laughs> bit and then february comes around and you know january february get really cold sometimes yeah um but no there um, you get kind of both ends of the spectrum when it gets really cold it gets really cold and when it gets really hot it gets really really hot um but uh, yeah we started you know uh f- following uh, or going um with mom and dad to you know pick apples and Um, it's, it's, um, it's not as fun as like the, the Bellwood place where you can just pick a few apples and you're happy. You got this huge like bag and back breaking. Yeah. By the time you fill it up, it's like 80 pounds and you're you're 14 years old and you're like, Uh, yeah. (laughs) So we kind of just do what we can. And, um, yeah, you know, it was pretty cool to kind of growing up doing that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we did cherries too. Uh, yep. asparagus was a pretty big one. Mm. Um, just pretty much anything and everything that is grown in Eastern Washington. I think they, they started doing like blueberries and stuff, but the weather's kind of a little, a little too warm almost for berries. Yeah. Um, but I do know that they can do it there. Um, but a lot of f- fruits and veggies as well. onions, yep. cucumbers, peppers, um, all, all sorts of stuff. We've seen it all. Um, and we've, you know, we've picked, Probably everything on this side of the coast, like every fruit that's out there. Yeah. Uh, or vegetable too. Uh, and then actually the, the whole reason we moved to Linden in the first place, the original reason was for work. It was yeah. to come work. Um, and uh, we had gotten um, season had ended. Uh, or or we had, I don't know, season had ended. I'm pretty sure we got laid off, but mom said season ended. Right. So, you know, um and then we were at a at some fast food place. Um, And uh, one of my middle school counselors walked in and uh, he said, Hey, uh, what are you guys doing? You know? And we were just like, Oh, just got laid off or whatever. Um, And the summer was just kind of starting. So he's like, well, if you need work, like, you know, I got some, I know some people up, uh, up North that they, they're kind of just getting started their season right now. And we're like, Oh, okay. So talked to dad, got loaded up in the truck, left that same day. Um, got here, and then the first day I ever worked here in Linden was on the Fourth of July, uh, that was probably five or six years ago. And it, I don't know; I think it's pretty cool. Um, and we started here, and then we just never went back; we just stayed. Um, but yeah, like what saying, were
1: you doing uh, on the Fourth of July?
0: Um, I think we were just picking weeds or something. Like it wasn't even anything yeah. exciting. So actually, no. So half the day we were um, we were out. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, what exactly the word would be for it in English other than, like, picking weeds. Um, yep. But we call it asadoneando, which is just, you know, that big stick with the blade on the end yep. that you use to pick weeds with. Um, we were doing that, and then about halfway through the day, um, they called us and said, hey, we got a harvester ready for you. So then, you know, we went, and there was four of us, so... The,
1: they're probably like, sweet, we yeah, can get exactly. another picker going. We have exactly. people to do
0: it. Exactly, yeah. so they they, uh, they called us, and they are like, we got four people, Perfect threw us on a harvester and that's his history so
1: what your mom dad you and my brother your brother yeah. which is perfect because then you're working together exactly yeah it, worked out. it worked out pretty well that's yeah, awesome we get annoyed
0: with each other so yeah you know. <laughs> hey cut it out yeah stop singing that stupid song <laughs> yeah yeah but no it worked out well and um that was the fourth of july is this was the first day we started we, we got here really late on the third uh, probably after midnight, so it would have been the 4.30, and then we started wow. that next day at 9 a.m. So, Oof. yeah, it's a pretty easy day to remember, at least. Yeah,
1: no kidding. <laughs> remember that time of year because, as you know, as well or better than I do, when it's berry season, it's oh, yeah, like it's, it's, go, it's time. go time. Yeah. But then it was the 4th of July, and I would always hope, like, maybe there will be some way that we can at least get off a little bit earlier and, you know, go barbecue or do fireworks or something. And I
0: think we got pretty lucky that it was already a little bit towards the end of the season Um, because um, 12-hour days and then rolled into 14-hour days, which turned into 16-hour days. And pretty soon I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. But you get used to it after a while. But – to get thrown into it just like that, it was like, yeah, we didn't even have time to go grocery shopping for like the first two weeks. So I was like, oh, food. brutal. <laughs> we need food. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, you can't just survive on the on the berries. they yeah. are picking yeah. up.
0: That's <laughs> probably why I don't I don't <laughs> indulge in them too much anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of um, the reason we moved up here was just for work, and yeah, um, it all happened to work out. Um, Linden is a very very beautiful place. Um, the is great um the people were pretty awesome as well um and you know from for us there's work year-round like there's you can do something pretty much year-round um with the exception of a a very small amount of the time um so we just liked it. it stayed
1: so how long ago was that it's probably like
0: think? five years now, Okay, five, and, six years. And
1: so then how lo- what did you do from there? How long did you work for them in the Berries, or what, what, so what else have you done?
0: Yeah, so I worked in the Berries for a little bit, um, I think, for the first two or three years. Um, and then uh, graduated high school and then uh, just kind of started doing like some construction, painting, just kind of odd jobs like that uh, at a packing place in, in, in Blaine. <clears throat> and then three years ago, uh, actually today, three years ago today, I ended up here uh, at water tech and it's just kind of been
1: yeah how, how did you land this job how did you get yeah, into the world it, of yeah. irrigation
0: it's funny um you know i knew i knew i knew that side of of irrigation where it's like water comes in here goes out there right the boss man told me to do it <laughs> Yeah, exactly like that's it like that's what i knew right like yeah. my level of understanding yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, just kind of a basic understanding of it like yeah, that's that's not supposed to be leaking Accessible, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I knew, you know, um, just from being on the harvesters and the fields and stuff like that. Um, because the irrigation back in East Washington is a little bit different, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was driving to work or I was driving to work one day or something, and, and I met my dad at the McDonald's down here, yeah. Uh, and he's like, Yeah, this uh, water tech down there is hiring, and I was like, the next water tech. <laughs> he's like, Oh well it's just right over there. Um he's like, Yeah, we buy stuff from them sometimes and whatnot for the farm and you know, they kind of just help the farms out and this and that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, um I walked in and I was just like, uh, you know, this is like a day or so later, I came in and I was like, just wanted to see if I could drop off a resume and they are like, Well, sweet. Um can you interview now? And I was like, <laughs> here we go. And I was like, oh, um, yeah. And I think I was wearing like flip-flops and something that, yeah, it was, it was really bad. It wasn't a good impression, but uh, they're like, can you interview now? And I was like, um, yeah, of course. So I came in and did an interview and they're like, awesome, we'll let you know. And then uh, called me probably a day or two later and they're like, yeah, I um, want you to come work for us. So I was like, okay. And then it just kind of all, Started from there. Yeah.
1: When did it really catch you that like this whole world of irrigation and controlling plants so cool. and all of that and so all the technology? When when did you like catch the bug for that?
0: Um, I think probably because I started in March, so it's kind of already like the beginning of season. Um, so I didn't really have enough time to think about too much what what I was doing learning get for the first few months. Go go go! Right. People need yeah, stuff. It's like yeah. let's go. Um, but it was actually um, after after season. Um, December came around and they were like, Hey, um, you're going to Michigan. And I was like, what do you mean? going to Michigan in <laughs> December and they're like, yeah, make sure you wear a coat. And I was like, I've never even been on a plane that I can like, as a, as an adult, I've never yeah. even been on a plane. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to Michigan. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're sending you to Michigan so you can go, you know, sell some sprayers and stuff. And I was like, okay. And then I think, I, I don't know why, but I think that was kind of like, this is awesome. <laughs> So I went to Michigan and I got to see this um, this trade show that it was just like, I mean, they had like Latow harvesters there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you guys are growing blueberries in Michigan? And they're like, yeah, blueberries are, you know, they're pretty big here in Michigan. Yeah, huge there. I was like, (laughs) I was just so taken aback. Like, uh, I think at that moment, um, it kind of, you, you get so used to just thinking about like you know, Linden or Whatcom or yep. just our little region our little piece of, of, of totally. heaven here and and um, and then you see like these guys are doing the same thing halfway across the United
1: States but they do this one little thing that's like why don't we do yes, that yes exactly <laughs> so I think
0: I don't know why but at that moment like this huge venue it just kind of like clicked like this is awesome yeah. this is so cool to me like um, I don't know like I, I really really liked it um, and I've just kind of been doing it Ever since. I mean, I still have my hiccups here and there. Yeah. Uh, here and there. But uh, no, like, I really enjoy it. I don't know. I think it's the challenge of like, or part of it at least is a challenge of um, trying to figure out how to, how to best get something to work or how to solve someone's problem. Or, you know, hey, my pump's not working. What do you mean it's not working? Well, it's not building any pressure. Okay, well, have you checked this or this? It, that kind of side of it is like trying to figure that out. And then also like, it is pretty cool to see some of this equipment. Um, yep. And, yeah, there's just kind of a lot of cool sides to it, I think, um, that some people don't get to see or don't get yeah. to experience. I mean, if you've never been up close to, like, you know, a 70-horse diesel engine while it's pumping 800 gallons a minute at, you know, 160 yeah. PSI, that's, like, something you, yeah. it's just, like, yeah, it's so cool. you, you got to see it. Yeah. It's just so loud, and it just kind of makes you feel like, wow, this is insane.
1: It's got to be super great to – Having you on a team like this, because there's a lot of folks in the farming community who maybe they only really speak Spanish very yeah. well. Their English isn't great, right. you know, but they're out working. You know, they're a farm worker. They're working on the farm. They're managing irrigation, and you can work with them right. to be like, okay, you know find out what's really going on you know to be that bridge too yeah Um, kind of the cross-cultural bilingual you know bridge in that community too because that could be a thing like if people can't talk to each other yeah and it's not just English and Spanish it's Punjabi and there's multiple language and cultures represented in this farming community and for people who can't speak to each other well it can get really frustrating especially with technical stuff like irrigation
0: and some of that stuff's hard to uh, you know even in, in English sure it's you know that you and i would understand even oh, it's still yeah. hard to describe so you can only imagine when you're trying to speak to someone in a different language exactly to try and get that point across um it gets very hard um but yeah that's uh, um not to say that it's because um, it, it, it definitely isn't a bad thing but you're not going to see the owner of the farm in here every day that's just not how it works right the, the, he, yep. he's got more he's got other things to worry about um it's a, he's so he's not the guy you actually see every day. Yeah, the guy you see every day is a farmhand, and, yep. and the guy who's who's actually doing the repair and doing the fixing. And, and, and he's the, those are the guys you see every day. Um, and you know you still get to see the boss man every now and then, but those are kind of the guys that you start to establish a relationship with, and yeah. you kind of get to know them. They get to know you, and um, you guys get to work alongside each other quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's pretty neat to uh, see the different um the different uh, communities involved in all this we got yeah. uh, a very large uh, punjabi community that, that mm-hmm. you know they make up quite a bit of the of the farmers in our area um and then uh, you know even down you start headed down towards like Skagit area there's just pretty much this nice big chunk of land and um, they kind of share the land and um, just different they allow uh, different people the opportunity to come in and take a piece of land and grow what they want to grow yeah. take it to market just kind of doing that and a lot of that a lot of those people have happened to be hispanic or from the hispanic community yeah so um they will actually make the trip from that area down to to see us um just because they know that they can get the help that they need you know right and then they don't really have anyone else in the area um that can give them that help um and and i think uh, an important part of, of what we do um is not just i, I don't I don't look at it like I just want to sell you something. Like that's it's right. different. I want to teach you. I want I want you to know why this is what I'm selling you or
1: how this works. Um, well, especially cool. with technology like this, yeah, it's yeah. not just like you plug in a tool and there right. it goes. Like right. you yeah. have to understand the whole system. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: So you know, like um, they, they, that's kind of the cool part to me is like I get to I get to teach them or help them understand why this is the way we're doing it or why this is the product that they might need. Um, not just like, here you go, take right. this. good luck. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like this is why you should use plastic mulch or this is why you should use this kind of tape yeah. versus that kind of tape. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty neat part of it too is it's kind of fulfilling in a way. You get to um, see them grow you know i mean i've yeah. only i've only been doing it for 3 years but you do really get to see like you know first year farmers versus thir- third year farmers yeah. huge difference it's like yep. that, uh, you know, I don't know anything about it, but it's like that saying, like, your first kid, in, <laughs> in, by the time your second or third kid yeah. comes around, you've got it all figured out, you, you, hopefully, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how it is, is, like, first-year farmers, most of them don't have a clue what they're doing, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, they have a basic understanding of it, and they have a passion for it. And that's and you probably have to have that. Exactly. <laughs> that's the biggest part, is you have to have the passion for it. And even if they don't have the money for it, they figure it out one way or another. Um, But then second, third year you know they're just rocking they already know what they're doing and you know by that point all they really need need us for is to help them find the parts on the shelf sometimes so yeah yeah, but it's still really cool awesome
1: what would you say the farm worker community around here is like because that's that's what you were a part of that community right and and you still work with those folks a lot what are they what are their concerns what are their what's their life all about um are they pumped to be doing what they're doing or are they feeling stuck
0: uh i think a lot of them enjoy what they're doing. a lot of, um, so the way I like it is, back in Mexico, we, we grew food to survive. Yeah. So um, sometimes, you know, especially for some people, um, you come to the U.S. and then they tell you, I'll pay you to continue growing food. That's just like, oh, you're going to pay me to do what I used to have to do to just get by? Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I'll do it. Um, sure. And uh, truly and honestly, a lot of us do really do like to work. Um, like we do like to do, especially in, the, um, that kind of work, we enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they, most of them like doing that, that kind of work. It's, it's just kind of familiar to us. We know, um, what we're doing and, um, you know, something to be said about not uh, having too much stress either. Like, yeah, it's not very stressful, um, for someone as, as an employee sometimes, yeah. Um, you don't have to take some worries home with you. And that's kind of a cool part of it too.
1: Yeah. Put in your time, yeah, get put your rows done, whatever exactly. it is, pick your pounds exactly. and You're call better. it a day.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, if they were allowed to, I guarantee you some of these, um, some of them would work more than 10 hours a day, 16 hours a day. Really? Yeah. If they were allowed to, I guarantee you they would. Um, I think there is some concern with, uh, certain laws or rules that are coming into place. um, um, the the overtime thing mm. that's supposed to roll in in the next few years. Um, even for us personally, that hits home because my, my dad works with EB. He works there. Um, so it, it's kind of, you, you kind of start to see or hear it from the community, like, hey, how well, does that affect you?
1: Yeah, like, and and what is the real effect? Because, you know, initially you think, well, hey, overtime, great. You're going to make that much more money. Yeah. And it doesn't
0: really work that
1: way. Um, mm.
0: and, and and I think <laughs> maybe the the plan that they had in mind is, with good intention in some way, like they're, they're, they're trying to help. Um, But what ends up happening is kind of the opposite. So it's kind of one of two things you get uh, your hours capped uh, or you get let go because they can't afford to have that many people now. Um, And, and, and I don't think there's, there's anybody directly to point the finger at like you you can't point the finger at the people who kind of came up with the bill or whatever it was um, because they're just, they're, maybe they're actually genuinely trying to help. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was the right way to help. Um, I think maybe they could have taken different approaches or looked at it differently. Um, but you also can't point the finger at the farmer and just say, like, while you're getting rich, you don't want to pay your guys right. overtime. It's like, yeah, that
1: well, would be, a, like, why don't they just do it then? Yeah,
0: and, you know, that's... A, yeah, that, that part's hard, I think, to, to, to get someone to understand that doesn't underst- know kind of a little bit more about the ins and outs of, of the way farming works. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't just work that way where you can all of a sudden uh, double their pay. Um, in most industries, you have 365 days a year to get your tasks done. Yeah. It's just what it is. And, you know, you have deadlines, obviously. But in most industries, it doesn't matter what the weather's like outside. You Go into yeah. the office, you do your thing, and yeah. you go home at the end of the day. Well, you know, here in, in the farming world, you have X amount of months, X amount of days, very in which are very limited in which you get to grow, harvest, pack, sell, you know, like all this stuff. Uh, you have, you know, you only have a very limited window to get all that done. Yeah. Um, so, so. It's, it's a little bit different
1: there. Yeah, the nine to five day, that's for like factories yes. and making widgets yes, and you do the same exactly. thing every day. And of course, you should be working crazy hours because exactly. you just pick it up again tomorrow. But you can't just pick this up again tomorrow when yeah. crops are ready. Exactly.
0: Uh, you can't just take a day off on a Monday because it's like, you know, Hey, well, it's a holiday. Yeah, but there's a couple tons of berries out there that need to be harvested like we were Uh, talking
1: about fourth of july it's like hopefully we can get done because if it's got to get harvested
0: yeah so um there you know there's that side of it like they they have a very limited window in which they you know they can make their money really essentially Um, and then you have years like this last year where you get intense intense heat waves Um, people had you know crop damages that were just astronomical. Like yeah. um, you can look at it acreage wise or even as a dollar amount, like it was just so much money. And that's the other part that people don't understand is like um, the, the, far, the the owner of the farm still assumes all of the liability or, or the the risk. Like that's, who's kind of risking all this um, not the employee or the worker. Cause if, if the employee or the worker, uh, if, if, bo- if the boss isn't doing good, well, okay, I'll go to the next guy. I'll go work for the next company. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, so that's the difference there. Um, and I think sometimes they tend to think like, well, they get worked, you know, they get worked like, you know, animals every day. Yeah. It's, it's the same boss isn't going to pay me for a 16 hour day if I'm only doing eight hours of work, Uh, you know, and especially not November and and in August and September, like it doesn't work that way. But in those four months or three, you know, five months that I have where we're growing and we're harvesting let's go time that's that's just like that's the boss's time for me to hit for him to make his money it's the same for me that's yeah. the time that i have to make my money so that i don't you know have to struggle for the rest of the year so it kind of it used to balance out
1: well it's also kind of an ancient way of life you yeah, know for is, people yeah. in rural areas who grow food you, work you know, hard
0: during the summer and then you can kind of take your time off during the fall and right. the winter
1: and a lot of families and even cultures can be patterned around that. And I know like the local Hispanic community, you know, growing up working with people side by side, well, when things got slow and oh, well, where are they? Well, they went back to Mexico for a month. Yep. And so they're seeing family doing whatever and then they come back when it's time to get going. They have the ability to do that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, so I think um, like I said, I think their intentions are good and uh, or at least I hope their attentions were good. Yeah. Um, but it kind of ends up putting the, com- the, the the working community in this difficult spot where, um, you know, who do you who do you how, what side do you take? I guess like yeah. um, the boss can only afford to pay so much before he goes. He might you know he might not be able to afford the operation anymore. So naturally, if if you were put in that person's shoes, what would you do? You'd probably switch to things like automation or um, things where you require a lot less people to do that same job. Yeah. Um, or you hire twice the amount of people so that they can split the amount of work. Um, but we've kind of seen how that has gone with uh, the current labor shortages. Is You can't even get a normal um, crew yeah. together, much less two crews to operate on separate schedules.
1: So well, and I know that, that working jobs that did that in the past, it's like, oh, great, like I only get, 25 hours a week yeah. and then somebody else gets another 25 yeah and like no I, i'm i'm trying want, to make yeah. more money here i want 40 hours at i'm least. like Come i'm on. broke i want to make some yeah. more money get well no yeah, yeah. right
0: um yeah it's it's uh it's it's
1: there's another thing that has just occurred to me you know we're, we're talking about like the common sense elements of this and practically how it works Another issue that's brought up, though, is an issue of respect. What do you think about that?
0: Because to me, that by not paying them, they're not respecting them.
1: Yeah, that that it's kind of a slap in the face. Like you're less than, you're exempted from that, and that shouldn't be. Mm. That's kind of more in the like emotional, like symbolic realm, but it's still important to people. Right.
0: Um, I I don't know if I would agree. It's um, I I personally have never felt or been disrespected or, or I've never felt that I've been disrespected by a boss um, when I was working um, you know in the fields and, yeah. and things like that harvesting and whatnot um, if if anything is quite the opposite most of them really cared about their workers um, and tried their best to make sure their workers were happy uh, I remember and, and there is differences don't get me wrong there is some that are not quite as good um, but I don't know if that really applies like um, to all of them. And I don't think you can generalize that by not paying them, you're disrespecting the work they do. Um, If you were truly, if you truly didn't have any respect for them, um, you know, would you give them something like, just for example, like we um, at the, at the, the first place I worked when I got here, um, and it kind of took me aback. But the first place I worked when I got here, Thanksgiving came around and they gave us a turkey, and some and ham and some mashed potatoes and, you know, just this whole lot of food. And then at the end of the year, they'd throw this company party and they'd invite all the workers. That's not something you do if you don't respect your employees. Something, yeah. something you do if you don't respect them is, you know, work them that way and then... Take, take take a three week vacation with what would have been their bonuses, you know. Yeah, that's that's something you do, or or, or kind of disrespect them or treat them differently. Yeah, um, that's it's different. Like I don't, I've never felt that way, and I've never been treated that way. Um, and I don't know if that's really.
1: So, what would you say then to someone who's saying, "Well, ultimately," because I honestly don't know how I would answer it, but I'm not in the same position in the background that you would to to answer someone who says. Well, it's, it's rude. It's disrespectful to someone. It's It doesn't show them dignity to exempt them from overtime. I know from my, because I have worked plenty of overtime exempt, I couldn't care less. I just wanted to make as much money as I could. And that meant me for me getting more hours. And the only way for them to give me more hours is they didn't have to pay me time and a half. Okay, great. I'm just... My paycheck is bigger. That's yeah. I care. It's a different
0: industry. I think that's <laughs> this is the only way to. Well, first off, I'd say take a trip or take a week from whatever you do now and go work for a far, for a farmer. And see, yeah. tell me if you feel disrespected or mistreated or anything yeah. like that. They're they're not. These people, um, they're, they're treated very well. If anything, I'd say it's one of the very few industries where you have a lot much closer of a connection with the separate the person who signs your check Mm. there's not very many industries where um, you kind of have that connection but um, it's one of the few i think where you actually even get to see your boss or or can you know communicate with your boss yeah um and and a lot of them are great guys even here you know in this area i'm sure you know like a lot of them are awesome people Uh, but yeah i'd say that's not well first I'd, i'd have to ask them like if you ever worked for have you ever worked on a farm yourself? And, and if they yeah. if they have, you know, then it's just kind of like, why is this anecdotal? Like, is this just from your own personal experience? Um, or, or, you know, I don't think most of them feel that way. Um, most of them are pretty well taken care of in one way or another. Um, uh, and honestly, I don't know how accurate it is, but I truly believe there's some out there that make probably, they, they still make pretty good money um because these these guys are working you know 16 hour days sometimes 10 hour days
1: um farm workers should make exactly good money
0: exactly you know they should um and and these guys are out there busting their tail to to get you know they do that um but also you know the other side of it is like if if you didn't respect your employees at all you'd lay them off during the winter or during november and and i know a lot of, of of um farm owners that don't do that they even if it's only eight hours, but they have, you know,
1: find something. To yeah, keep you exactly. Busy. Yeah. Exactly. Hey,
0: Hey, I know that, uh, you know, we don't have much to do and I know that you need to pay your bills. Yep. Here's eight hours. Like, you know, this is kind of how it is. It's like, you know, and, um, even from personal experience, um, I've seen and, um, I've seen some, um, some of the owners of these companies, do very very good things and, and great things that are hard to even um, you know I don't I don't know how much I really want to talk about them but I've seen yeah. them do a lot of, for the workers hmm. um, and uh, that I don't know if, if you if I had seen it or if the circumstances were different or if, if it was in yeah. a different kind of field I guess yeah um, and you know that that at least for me personally I don't I don't think that that's true I don't think you could I don't think you could run a successful operation yeah. Um, without having some form of respect for your, your employees, um, and that goes for any industry. Yeah, um, but I think especially for the, the farming industry.
1: What are you hearing? Like your dad, still farm worker. Yep. Um, lots of people you work with and, and even customers of yours here, farm workers. Yep. What are you hearing from them? What 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 kinds of things are they saying? You know about this overtime issue, or about anything?
0: Yeah. Um. You know they're trying to find um ways to make it still work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are honestly just concerned over having employees, enough employees for harvest in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, even that's a challenge. It's, um, uh, and I think it's, it's kind of a, a nationwide thing right now where yeah. we're all struggling with uh, finding reliable mm-hmm. em- employees. Um, but I guess just, uh, trying to have even enough people to get through the season is, is what they're worried about. Or, um, honestly, um, some of them, I don't think, are too concerned yet about um, the the pay thing. I know some of them have switched over to just salary, yep. um, which is which is one of one of the ways that I think is, you know you got to kind of.
1: I think it's allowed for anybody who has like a supervisory kind of role, right? Right. But if, if you're a supervisor, for everybody, yeah, 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 exactly. So
0: that might work for the for the, for the farm manager or, or one of the uh, foreman or something, yep. but it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the things that you kind of start to see now is like, well. You know, um, as as a, as a worker, it's like, well, you go work eight hours for him, go work eight hours for him, go work eight hours for him, because he'll only give you 25 hours or 30 right. hours, and he'll only give you that much, and he'll only give you that much. So you kind of now start to...
1: So you end up doing the same thing. You just have yeah, to go to multiple jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's that downside to it. Um, but, it, you know, labor costs are already... Pretty uh, pretty expensive. I think um, that's uh, one of the things about um, the U.S. is uh, like our labor costs are a lot higher than most things, um, as they should be. I mean, you know, yeah. we're a great country, and uh, everybody deserves a fair share of, of, of you know what they're worth. Yeah. Um, but uh, it puts it puts even even the owner of the farm in a position. Where it's like, how do you compete with um, how do you compete with the country like Mexico where they can hire you know ten people for which you have to pay one person. You know, it's it's kind of hard to keep up and, and still make a profit doing that. Um, so I guess uh, labor costs and the material costs as well. That's another thing that's uh, very, very, I think that's kind of one of the major things on everybody's mind right now. Uh, going into yeah. the season is uh, everything is a lot more expensive. And lot, you
1: guys have more. probably felt that here too because you deal in yes. you know like parts and yeah. pipes and things like that uh-huh. supply chain stuff has just kept being crazy now right. for a couple of years
0: yeah and um you know in the past it would be you know hey i need this and i need it now no problem i'll have it in two days now it's kind of like i might need this can you order it yeah it'll be here in a month you know, like um, you really got kind of start to plan in, in, in advance and, and, and have to really know or kind of guess what you're going to be needing. Um, but even some of that stuff is like you order and they'll deliver in September, uh, and you're ordering in May or, or, or in March. And it's like yeah. um, you know, so that that's a, that's a pretty big part of it.
1: Like. Yeah. Um, that what, will affect the food that we're able to produce yes, ultimately here.
0: Yes. So that's another part that people don't think about is like you want to, if if, if if the cost for per acre goes up for me to grow the same fruit that I was growing last year, um, the end user is really the only one who gets kind of stuck with the bill. Yeah. So, you know, that pound of raspberries used to be $4. Well, now that pound is $6 and next year it might be $8. Yeah. For the um, consumer, yeah, and guess what? The farmer is still not making any more than he did there, <laughs> yeah. the two, the two yeah. years past. Totally. He's still making the same amount. The middleman's the only one that really gets any money there. But um, yeah, there's that part of it. Like how 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 do they stay afloat? I guess um, it used it used to cost. You know, used to be able to figure like you know twelve hundred dollars for every acre or whatever the number is. You know. Um, X amount of dollars per acre, and we, we can get your operation up and go, up and going, and you'll be successful, and, or you'll be farming in no time. Now it's like, yeah, that that beginning number is a lot higher. You need a lot more, yeah. and it probably changes all the yes, time now. Exactly. Too. So, but yeah, you last have to be the- It was you know fifteen hundred. Yeah. and This week it's two grand, and next week it might be fourteen. Who knows? Like it's just kind of hard to guess. Isn't it? So yeah, the, the the upfront cost now is. just ridiculous. It's huge. And I think small farmers are a pretty big part of the way that everything works here too. Like, or the way that um, it's, it's important to the the agricultural part of the community. Um, And with that cost being so, you know, drastically higher, um, I think it might turn a lot of potential farmers away from that. Mm. And the reason I say small farmers are kind of important is because, um, you start seeing it now in the community and in certain, um, um, you know, certain farms in our area. It was like um, the the owner, the owner's kids don't want the stress. They don't want the struggle. Yeah. They don't want they don't want to do it. It's it's they've seen they've seen mom and dad do it, and it's just too much. And they just want to go get a college degree. and don't, don't want to deal with the stress. Yeah. So then there's nobody left to run the farm. Um, they, you know, they run it for as long as I can. Eventually the farm turns into houses and now there's less. And you know, it, it's just, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for anyone.
1: Yeah. Um, it's so a lose, lose. Exactly. Um,
0: so that's why I think these, some of these small farms are pretty important. And I think, yeah. it, um, some people might, uh, start small but that's that's kind of how most uh, most operations begin you know you start small hey all of a sudden i have enough to buy another 20 acres and more acres and now they're now they're an operation you know um but if 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 enough people aren't allowed the opportunity to even get in yeah or or because of money especially yeah and how many potential future farmers are 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 we missing out on that
1: totally aren't going to be there now yeah, and I think so much about that farm worker community that we were just talking about. Yeah. That's where so many of those that's where people of are yeah. because they know the crops, yeah. they know the land, they live that yeah. lifestyle and they want to do it. What are we doing to make it possible? Yeah. And what how what barriers are we going to take out of their way so they can make it happen? Yeah. Um it's it's rough and you know,
0: that's another part of, of the small farmer um community it was like you know, if if it's a if it's a family run operation, it might work. But uh, yeah, if they have to hire people and they're just starting out, and now they have to pay these people overtime, um, it can be. I think I would imagine it can be pretty difficult to um, afford that. Yeah. Um, so maybe they get discouraged, or yeah, you know, don't really feel like trying to do it again. So For sure. um, yeah, I don't know, and. You know, I might just be like, you know, tinfoil hat or something, but um, (laughs) I don't know if I want, um, I don't know how I feel about big corporations being in charge of something like our food. Um, You know, you know, like I said, you can say what you will about my tinfoil hat, but. I
1: agree. Keep it families.
0: Exactly. Like, it just seems a little, um, I don't know.
1: And that's why I'm still in favor of a farm, even if it is big, if it's run by a family. That's still so much more important to me.
0: That's still so much better than uh, it being run by some organization or with a bunch of board members and, you know, CEOs and this and that. um, Yeah. And especially once you start getting into, you know, things that are um, funded or operated and controlled by some um, government entity or
1: or people who don't yeah, live here or people who don't even
0: yeah, yeah people don't even live in the area or call it what you will right you know like um it just starts to i don't know it starts to get sketchy and i just don't i don't know how i feel about that i'd rather know that you know like hey okay, i may not see the owner of that farm but i know he lives down over there and you know yep. at least at least i can say i know the guy lives in in the same town and yep. you know there's something to be said about that too like um Someone, you know, some LLC corporation or organization that um, owns the farm here and then takes all the funds with them back headquarters. Yeah, It's like, what happens to all that yep. um, potential money for our community? It's gone now.
1: But the problem is then a family gets together and says, okay, well, we, we have our family, we've been doing this farm. The best way for us to do this is to have an LLC. And to the outsider, it looks like the same thing. Right, right, it, yeah, but it's totally this, not. I know there's a difference. Yeah, you know, I know,
0: I know there's some uh, it, it, like people here, like oh, oh LLC or or you know limited li- liability corporation yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean it's like um, you know some mysterious corporation or something. It's different. but it can be, it can be. Yeah, that's a, that's <sighs> the
1: tricky part. Um, and, and we can't. Yeah, it's people are too quick to like. I guess really stereotype. Yes, and say, well, if you're big or if you're an LLC or whatever, you must be bad. <laughs> well, really. there's more to the story
0: there's uh, you know there's still farms in our area that that you can say are very successful but guess what the owner still wakes up at 5 a.m every morning puts (laughs) his or her boots on and he's still out at the field with the rest of the crew every day totally and i think that's uh, admirable i think that's that's part of that's part of the reason why they are successful um you know it's pretty cool to me but yeah i don't know if i would want um you know, with all the smaller farm, with all the smaller farmers not being able to get into um, that world, um, it kind of leaves the door open for things like organizations and and these big companies to kind of capitalize on on the lack of people doing that and just kind of taking
1: it and- totally. Well, and unfortunately, the the conditions that have been created kind of you know, often that are intended to do good things, yeah. create the conditions where only those big operations can do it. Right. You know, and, and it ends up being the little guy. Who gets the, uh, the short end of the stick. Yeah. And that's why I do this. You know, that's right. what this is all about is to share that story to be like, okay, hold on, you know, before you attack somebody, you know, cause maybe they aren't doing things perfectly. And nobody can, right? Like But like come alongside and help them do things better rather yeah. than say people in this category, you know, again as a stereotype, grouping people, putting them in a box, aren't doing things right, therefore we're gonna mandate this rule and so that'll fix that. Right, right. No. No you don't have it fixed doesn't, anything.
0: Uh yeah. I think a lot of it um um they they might think that it helps or they're trying to help, but they don't know how. Um and in doing so they kind of end up going backwards and yep. it's just like, okay, now we got to dig, <laughs> dig ourselves even further out of this hole. Yeah. And it's just, um, yeah, a lot of confusion or back and forth on, on how do we help or how do we make it better? Um, I think one, in my own opinion, one way of, um, which there's already some, some, some smaller programs that do it. Um, but I think, uh, having more, um, support and it doesn't necessarily have to be financial, but just more support um, for the farmers, um, you know, yep. um, which, however that might look, whether it's, um, you know, with things like uh, work or grants, um, um, things like loans. I know, I mean, I know they can get loans, but, you know, like uh, special loans for just farmers. Yeah. You know. And sometimes
1: can, you can't get loans when you're a small, a small operation, start yeah. trying to start a farm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, just more support like that, and that's I think that's why. Um, like I said earlier, the part of, of me that really enjoys this is sometimes is um, being able to sh- teach someone or show someone, and then you know they can take that and go, yeah, start their operation totally. and grow, and um, and then they teach someone else, and and then all of a sudden it's like you know this farming stuff is pretty cool. There's a lot to it, and it's pretty confusing sometimes, but it's still pretty cool. Um, so yeah
1: well thank you for being a part of the food system <laughs> and often an unseen or unthought of part of the food system because that is what you are and what you're doing you couldn't grow food here without water right. and you helped get that right. water to the plants yeah. Bottom line. No,
0: thank. Thank you for having yeah. me on here.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you being willing to share your story too, and and what your family. I mean, learning your fa- story, <laughs> learning your family's story from your mom. Yeah, on in season two, yeah. and getting to hear from you, it's it's cool. What love what your family's all about, and it's yeah. kind of like mine. It's all about growing food and working hard, and that's making it happen. All,
0: that's all you can do at the end of the day, man. You just work hard, be yeah. happy. Yeah, not much else you can you can do not much else you can control in this world yeah exactly may as well you know do do as good as you can on, on what you can control
1: this is the real food real people podcast these are the stories of the people who grow your food